I would like, to, I don't know how everyone feels, but I really would like to focus on this whole Guru Tapa issue. I don't know if you're, you would like to do that. I mean, for instance, like mm. in statements in the uh, Krishna Samhita and just different, uh, it just seems to uh, really understand the, uh, you know, kind of like the Chinta Beta Beta of the Guru being one and different from Krishna because I know I heard on you've said it a few different lectures, how in the beginning we're more concerned of how the guru is Krishna, but then with time as you advance, then you're more concerned with the, the guru's relationship with Krishna. You're reciting that one verse, he's Sakshadhi, he's Krishna, but he's also dear to Krishna. So it just seems like one of the problems is that, at least in this kind, maybe other places, we just focus on kind of like the, the awe and reverence of the, of the guru, and anything that doesn't sound like that, well, that's offensive, or that's improper attitude, or not, you know, whatever. So it seems like, like with everything else, it's many things simultaneously. So this whole idea of really understanding, you know, how the guru, you know, you represent it's Krishna somehow. Krishna, it's like in, in this famous, uh, it's in the introduction to the. Prabhupada's uh, Vyasa Puja. Yeah, offering said, in Bombay. Yeah, it says. Uh, Guru is Charya is one, appears in multitude yeah. of forms to enlighten exactly. everyone. It does not arise any question of discriminating my Guru from yours or anyone else's. There is only one Guru who appears in an infinity of forms to teach you, me, and all others. So it's, it seems like this point in the name of glorifying Prabhupada is missed. How, I mean, it, it, Guru is a person. It's like sometimes uh, it's hard for people to understand the Guru Tattva. It's an, oh, I, I can't understand that. I, I, I'm worshipping Prabhupada. He's my Guru. So there's all these kinds of not a depth of understanding of this subject because it is an inconceivable thing. You know, it seems like the Guru, you're seeing him, he's, he eats, he sleeps, but yet we don't want to think like that, so we he's a representative of Krishna or she. But also... You know, like Bhaktivinoda talks about the relative and absolute position of the scripture and the guru. So this is like, it requires a lot of careful thought to really be able to, you know, mm -hmm. entertain these two ideas at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing I think is very pragmatic, uh, very practical, is that uh, of all of the groups, Gaudiya Vaishnava groups, there are so many, the one that's having the most trouble with the Guru Tattva seems to be ISKCON. So I, w I wouldn't look there to get a definitive answer on the subject. I mean, that is the problem. I think it's pretty clear that's the whole problem with the society. It's a faith crisis in, that it suffers from because of uh, failed spiritual leadership. Not that there isn't some spiritual leadership, but there's, there's been huge disappointments. And, and so there's a faith crisis. And that's what I was writing about in that letter that was circulated. I see you have a copy of it there yeah. uh, that, at the time. And so I do think it's very central to the problem. And, and gee, I mean, it's like I say, it's, it's pretty obvious that they're having a problem with it, in spite of how they you know, talk about it and try to talk it away and and so forth. And in the way in which they have done it, rather than 
that being scripturally based and philosophically deep and thoughtful and so forth has become almost, in some instances, bordering on the mundane, where the institution and is uh, has become the guru allegiance. Somebody wrote on top of it, allegiance to the to the society is required for being initiated, which is uh, like an extra kind of thing they've added in a sense. So, so it's the it's a problem. It's a real problem. And then out and about, you know, this is a loosely group loosely connected with ISKCON. There's a lot of misunderstanding, and I think that. Uh, one thing you mentioned is that the, the guru is one with Krishna, means he represents Krishna, and in that sense, all gurus are one. They say what Krishna says. Acharya mam bijaniyam. Krishna says, I am the Acharya. You should never think otherwise, be envious of him, and so forth. But then the devotees also like to think, but I'm worshipping Prabhupada, this, this is what he is, he's a person, and so forth. So they themselves have a kind of a one and different take in which the difference becomes more important to them. Do you follow? In the words they say, well, Prabhupada is Krishna's representative. He's Sakshadhari. So he's directly Krishna coming to us. I mean, that's such a, such a huge statement that needs so much explanation. Otherwise, we could end up, you know, where? far from Goloka, with no prospect for going there. If we make the Guru Krishna, if we over-glorify him in that way. Some sannyasis in Iskan years ago, you may recall, did that. Prabhupada exiled them, from the, excommunicated them from the society. Of course, they were let back in eventually. So, at any rate, Vishwanath says, Guru, according to Shastra, Guru is directly... Krishna. So they, they like that, but they seem to like the idea that as much as that takes away an individuality and a personality of their guru, they like the other side, that well, he's my guru, he's like this, he, he likes to eat this, he doesn't like to eat that, and he has this uniqueness that makes him different from everybody else. So they seem to like both sides, and they will emphasize one or the other, some devotees, at wherever it's convenient. If you seek to interpret, in some instances, something that Prabhupada said, or explain it in a way that's relative to circumstances and make sense out of it and apply it and so forth, someone may come back and say, everything in these books he wrote, Krishna wrote them. Prabhupada is not me writing, it's Krishna writing. It's directly Krishna, you can't change the word, you can't interpret it. They'll go on that, that side of it. And if you say, well, guru is one, and therefore we should honor other gurus, they'll, then they'll go the other side. Prabhupada is my guru, that's all I know, and he's special, and, and, and then they want to distinguish him from the other gurus. Now, I think that one of the problems... That's obviously a problem in itself, but one of the problems in all this as well is that, is that when we think of the guru's individuality, they're tending to think of it on a very basic level, almost on a human level. 
And the verse of Vishwanath that you brought up that I often quote, Vishwanachakritakur, Gurubhastakam, is speaking about a difference from Krishna and individuality that's on the highest level. And if the devotees can become more acquainted with that, theoretically, I think that will be that will be helpful. And it will put also into somewhat into perspective the the differences which they which they do focus on, which are which are relative differences and um and relate to his appearing in a sadhaka deha and and a particular work savor that he was doing and his uh likes and and dislikes and so forth. Those things are wonderful and those should be should be honored, but they're relative. They're relative, and they, and they may not apply in all circumstances. Whereas the difference that Vishwanathakurti Thakur talks about, that's on a higher level, that's on an absolute level. So the difference that he talks about, what is it, do you know? What does it mean? So what does that mean? Well, how is that on a higher level? What, what am I saying? Spiritual master is dear to Krishna. I, mean, I guess on the lower level, like he may appear a certain way relative to us, but on the higher level, it's relative to Krishna. What's higher and what's lower? Guru is all spiritual. How can it be higher or lower? Gurnishta? It's the higher, higher level, it's the certain type of relationship with Krishna. Mm hmm. So that we call, that is, in, in a siddha-deha. And then he has a sadhaka-deha. So the sadhaka-deha, the individuality of the guru, that's manifest in the sadhaka-deha, that has some relativity to it. Because it's an appearance for time and circumstance. We honor it forever that form, therefore we put it in the, in the samadhi, we have the picture on the altar, and so on and so forth. But it's a particular appearance for time and circumstance through which the Lord is going to do something. And here, in the context of speaking Srila Prabhupada, because we're talking about a preaching mission, so he's, he's going to preach, Krishna's going to preach through Prabhupada. And preaching is always filled with the relativity that comes from the, the time and the place and the circumstances and how you will apply something. The teaching remains absolute, but you're going to apply it differently at different times and different places and so forth. And so when we like to focus on the individuality of Prabhupada, moving towards a more kind of in a way, impersonal idea. Well, the Guru is Krishna. Sakshad Hari, directly Hari. So, and all Gurus are one. Krishna is one. All Gurus represent Krishna. All Gurus are one. Yes, but I like this one more than that one. So then this relativity comes in and so forth. And that's good, and that's important, and that's charming. And so, forth. But we have to see that in perspective. It means, I, what, I mean, what I mean by that is I'm saying we have to see that well, the differences that will manifest there in terms of what he says, what to do, and so on and so forth, 
it has some connection with time and place and circumstance, and time goes on and circumstances change and so forth and so on. So there is some room and considerable in, in, in many cases for then adjusting those kind of things that he said. In fact, that is Guru Parampara. That means Krishna's coming again and now he's adjusting the thing in a particular way and so forth. And it could go back the other way in another time and circumstance and, and so forth. So when they focus too much on this individuality, without perhaps consideration of what Vishvanshakriti Thakur is talking about, then there's a potential, and it seems to have happened in some places, of getting locked into a, a way of, of understanding Krishna consciousness that's it's not dynamic and not alive and frozen in time and becomes sentimental and becomes fanatical and becomes counterproductive. And when you start to look at the other side, like I say, the, the prophet's got a relationship with Krishna, and this is where I'm going, this is where I want to go. Now we can't just go there, as I like to say, with our shoes on, but if we're not acquainted with the theory, we're not acquainted with the, the ideal, the goal, theoretically. I mean, we've been doing this for some time, so these things are all written in the books, in Prabhupada's books. Uh, we should become interested, acquainted with that, and so forth and so on. If we don't, and a lot of devotees don't, and for reasons of just identifying with Prabhupada in a particular way at time and circumstance, and, and not in a progressive way, then they can lose sight of, of the whole ideal, the whole goal. They can express opposition to a, a higher kind of uh, progressive, let's say, installment of the teachings. In the words, Prabhupada may not have emphasized certain things, but again, this was the time and circumstance, how he was preaching. We were at a certain age and a certain level of involvement in Gaudiya Vaishnavism and so forth. And, you know, he would have gone on, he would have written more books, he expressed interest to write more books, and to have his disciples write and so forth, the thing should be progressive. And so if it's okay at a certain point to be a certain way and look at Prabhupada in a particular way and not have it progress to a broader and deeper understanding, it's okay, I'm saying, to have a kind of Kanishta Adhikari understanding. You have to start somewhere. But if then a progressive idea comes and the time is coming for you to now grow, in this conception. I mean, that's one of the reasons the guru leaves. Is to, it's also for our progress, to be tested, what did you learn, and so forth. And It's a time for growing, huge time for growing. So if then you resist that based on a kind of a Kanishadikari orientation is going to naturally be more sentimental than it is philosophical, because philosophical thinking is critical thinking. It, re it requires introspection and thinking deeply about the issue and so forth. The, the, the whole Madhya Madhikari is characterized by one thing. What is it? Discrimination. Discrimination. So discrimination means that's the function of the intellect. So to use the intellect spiritually to discriminate what the scriptures are saying, how to apply them, what they mean in time and circumstance, and so forth. 
it's an exercising of doubt and, and questioning in that sense doubt but it's, it involves clearing all doubt and developing firm faith and humility comes from that that's the wonderful thing that confidence comes from that and humility comes from that it may be misconstrued as pride that confidence but it's actually the natural result of spiritual confidence is humility because we think oh yes we're humbled by like we're making progress and we feel it is by grace and so forth so to remain with the Kanishta Adhikari conception in regard to Guru is largely to only see him or her in relation to their sadhakadeha, what they're doing at this particular time and circumstance, and not be able to like look at it with we call tatastavichar to examine it objectively. You have a subjective faith and sentiment and appreciation. But we should be able at some point to step back and look at it objectively as well and see how our guru was empowered for a particular thing in a particular time in a particular circumstances, where that fits in the whole sampradaya and so forth, and place him there. But when we just look at that part only, and that's everything, then we come up with statements like, you know, Prabhupada's better than Rupa Goswami, you know, Prabhupada is, you know, is the samstapaka, Acharya, you know, he, he, those kind of statements are practically making him Lord Chaitanya. He's the founder of the Sampradaya. I mean, it is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Sampradaya. So that means like, whoa, this has got a real problem here, you know, displacing Lord Chaitanya and his position in the Sampradaya. It's, I mean, it's a lineage and everybody's got a place there and everybody's great and everybody does something great, but it also has some relativity to it as well. I mean, Vasudev Dutt asked Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was living, and and it is said that uh, like uh, insects, like worms, were maybe he had leprosy, or worms were living on his body, and he didn't bother to take them off because he thought well, they they were living, they were eating. If they fell off, he would pick them back up and put them back on. He didn't want them to be disturbed, and so. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was very amazed and pleased. He embraced him and all his leprosy went away. He prayed to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that so many jivas in this world are suffering and I would like to take all of their suffering on myself so they can all be delivered. Now that's a pretty big service if he were to do that, right? But what did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say? He said that what is the one she-goat out of a herd or something like that? He gave some example. It's in the that this one universe, there are millions of universes. So even if you could do that, this work is, is unlimited. Prabhupada used to call his own work, Krishna is allowing me to do my nonsense here. That's his perspective on it. Even though he knew at times he was doing something pretty extraordinary. When he looked at it from a large, broader perspective, he would characterize it in this way. I'm just, Krishna's allowing me to just do my nonsense here. Some little service. So, my point is it's a big thing. When you look at the, the bigger picture, then you see it in, the, in a different light. It doesn't become any less glorious. But when you don't, and you look at it just at that small picture, then you want to blow that up to be the whole picture, then you these kind of problems come. Where in the name of glorifying my guru, I, I become offensive to other people. 
it could even border on Mayavad. Shades of that, you know, Prabhupada is better than so and so. Prabhupada, I, I particularly like this one. This uh, like uh, Yuga Charya type, you know, comments and Samstapaka Charya. Well, Samstapaka Charya means the not the founder, but the, it means it means that someone like uh, Madhvacharya or Ramanujacharya. But it means the founder of the Sampradaya. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the founder of the Jiva Goswami says that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has founded the Sampradaya. He says in uh, Sarvasambhadini, his commentary on Satsandarva. Well, and if anything, we're known as Rupanugas, right? And that's also been taken the. Prabhupada Yeah, so this is instances, these are examples of sentiment that aren't balanced with philosophy and an objective perspective which a mature devotee should be able to take, and which will allow them then to appreciate the contribution of other devotees. I mean, I was reading that book I mentioned of Mulapakritis, and there's so many nice things in there. One of them is that, you know, you hear disciples of other gurus saying, go to your mouth, talking about Prabhupada and how they appreciated Prabhupada and, and so forth. And you see that they, they like their guru more. They think more highly of him, but they they very much appreciate Prabhupada as well, and you see how Prabhupada related to their guru in some instances. Prabhupada considered himself junior to their guru, and in, in his presence he conducted himself accordingly and so forth, and they had that experience. So seeing these, hearing these kinds, of, seeing these things, it's charming, really. It's it's a whole other side. But even that is within the idea of his sadhaka day and service. They're not even including the whole picture of that often, like, you know, it's almost like Prabhupada was born the day that Iskon was born, kind of a thing. So my thought is, has been that the more you can help devotees go deeply into what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about, because it is so vast and so deep, that they'll become more flexible by that. It's humbling, and you sort of think, "Well, I didn't, gee, I didn't know that. I never thought of that verse. Could have meant that." And it's a humbling kind of experience. Then you start to think you don't know as much as as you thought you knew, and and then you become open again because that's how you began. You think, "Wow, it all is that? I don't know any of this stuff, shastras. And there's so many devotees; they know so many things, and every one of them knows so many verses. And so you be, you're humble, and you're ready to hear from." from anybody and everybody. But when you don't have someone helping you, if, or you're not able to do yourself to, to go progressively into the teaching, you reach a certain point where you, you kind of think you've got it. Your only business is to tell some other people about it. They should chant Hare Krishna, and that they're not the body, and they should be vegetarian, and join our group, and, and so forth. But it's no longer a challenge for you and the talks start to become a little boring, and people are attending less, and and they're for new people, the talks are for new people, and so forth. And then you lose that sense that this is so unlimited, and that kind of humility, and openness to learn. And in the beginning, I mean, you're ready to hear from anybody wearing tilak, practically. You think your temple president is like Uttamadikari, you know? And so on. So that's a Kanishtadikari in a good space. But then we can have a Kanishtadikari in a bad space. 
where he or she thinks that this is it, and this is the sum and substance of this is as far as it goes. So when we go deeper into Gaudiya Vaishnavism, then I think it it unsettles the devotees and makes them more open. So what Vishnath is talking about in the high, on a higher level is, and the interesting thing is that that level is a, is a higher glorification of the guru. When we say he's one with Krishna, sakshadhuri, that's the lower side. The higher side is that he loves Krishna and how he loves Krishna. Because that love that the guru has of Krishna, that is the swarup shakti. That comes under the influence of his swarup shakti. And Krishna is controlled by his swarup shakti. Yeah, you answered my question so that it's because of Shakti that's superior to Krishna. That's what makes Krishna Krishna. One, he is, he, he's as good as Krishna, and but he loves Krishna, he conquers Krishna. Krishna becomes his son. Krishna becomes his friend. Krishna becomes his lover, subordinates himself to him. That's what Krishna is. I mean, Krishna, Krishna is the absolute truth subordinating himself under the influence of his own Shakti. Now, the Vedanta of it, of course, is the Shakti is one with him and not different. So, there's nothing more powerful than Krishna. No outside force. But it depends, of course, how we look at it. It's one with Krishna, but different from Krishna. And the difference is the charm of the whole thing, which makes for the Leela and, and, and so on. So, this, when we speak of the Guru in terms of his or her relationship with Krishna, a transcendental sentiment and so forth, this is even to say more about him than to say that he's one with with Krishna. And then we are into the fact that, oh, Sakshadhari is the tattva, and Kintu Prabhor, Priya Evatasya, that is the bhava. You understand? One is the philosophy. What's the philosophy? Bhagavatam says, Advaigyan tattva. The absolute truth is non-dual consciousness, non-dual knowledge. So, Guru is one with Krishna. All Gurus are one. There's no difference. Because Krishna is the Guru, all Gurus are one. So, this is the philosophy. This is the tattva, a way of speaking about it in relation to Guru tattva. But, the achintyabeta beta tattva, when we're looking at it in relation to Guru, then we have to look at the other side, also the difference. So the difference is bhava, the difference is, is sentiment, the difference is religion, prem, the oneness, the non-difference is philosophy, it's tattva. And so the philosophy has to be one, but if in, within the context of one philosophy we recognize differences, then that becomes beautiful, charming, it's all desirable. So what was the other word? You said tattva and then... And then uh, bhava. Bhava, kintu... Prabhupada, Priya, Priya, dear, love. He loves Krishna. He's dear to Krishna. So this means that uh, this is under the influence of the Swarup Shakti. The devotees are embodiments of that Swarup Shakti and loving Krishna in a particular way. So with regard to this Guru Tattva and understanding it properly, we have to understand both sides because... Again, to talk about it in another way, and it's important because this is a big problem for some of these people. I'm a disciple of Prabhupada, but Sridhar Maharaj is my Sikh Guru. So I've said this before. 
I may sit with other people who are disciples of Prabhupada. But Sridhar Maharaj, they don't see him as their Siksha Guru. So with them, I have something in common, something that I'm one with. We're both Gaudiya Vaishnavas, okay? And we have the same Guru. And we have a sentiment for that Guru, which is going to be similar. Same sentiment, you can say, for the Guru. But now here I have Shiksha Guru, and I have a sentiment for him. And they don't share that sentiment. They may now, be against that sentiment. But that's where there's a problem, because is the sentiment based on the same philosophy? Philosophically, we have to be one. So if they're philosophically one with me, then they can see there's room for different sentiments. Just like we all devotees of Krishna, but we have different sentiments for Krishna. Some love him as a friend, or as a lover, or as a parent, as may be the case. So there's, there's room for different sentiments. Some like Ram more than Krishna. Is that wrong? Some like Nishinga Bhagavan, you know, more than Ram. No, that's a beautiful thing. That's a glorious thing. So, I have a sentiment that some of my God brothers and God sisters don't share. But if we look at it carefully, we see it's a sentiment that Prabhupada shared. Prabhupada liked Sridhar Marsh. They don't like him. Prabhupada had so much sentiment for him. Prabhupada used to keep a picture of Sridhar Marsh in the early days of his bhajan on his altar at Radhadamadar, along with Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thagami. He said, he told Hans Duda, everything that I learned, I learned from Sridhar Marsh. Prabhupada wanted him to prepare me for coming and preaching to the Western world. Did he say that to anybody else? <laughs> no, but I mean, Hans Duda's a Ritvik, and he admits it. Mm. So, but there are many things that he said. If you look at the whole thing objectively, you see that he had, he, and Prabhupada's the one that sat him on the same Vyasa song with him before all of his disciples and introduced him and said, I've wanted kept his association for a long time. I always wanted it because I know he's a pure devotee. I think he said it there. Prabhupada wanted him to train me for preaching. I think he said it in that particular statement in public before all of his disciples. So I'm not making something up. There's pictures of it. There's It's on video. And it's in the, those conversation books, what he said about him. So Prabhupada had a sentiment for Sridhar Maharaj also. So I have a sentiment for Prabhupada that includes something about Prabhupada that some of his disciples don't have. It could be said that I have more of a connection with Prabhupada. I've drawn out some a sentiment from Prabhupada and identified with the sentiment of Prabhupada's that others haven't identified with. But they construe it to be less. In a very just black and white, simplistic way that is not philosophically supportable. One, if you like Sridhar Maharaj, you don't like Prabhupada. You're splitting your affinities. But then we go back to the Guru's one, right? How am I splitting my affinities? And again, Prabhupada had an affinity for Sri Maharaj. Prabhupada considered him a Siksha Guru. So how am I splitting my affinities? That's one. And then the other side is that they say that, what do they say? Two, they say, oh, he's minimizing Prabhupada by glorifying Sri Maharaj as if he were equal. Because Prabhupada came to the West to say that Sri Maharaj just sat down and yeah, then we were just talking about the fact that Prabhupada, Prabhupada's particular service was such and such, and Sridhar Maharaj's was, they have different services, but they may be equally spiritual. Right, hmm? and the 
they say that the uh, but Prabhupada valued people who, you know, are we, we can, you know preaching and. If Prabhupada valued people that are preaching, then you ask that person, how much preaching are you doing in relation to Tripurimarsh? Why don't you follow Prabhupada's opinion then? Prabhupada said, we judge by the results, right? By the fruits. So you may doubt what Tripurimarsh is doing in, in his affinities with Sridhar Maharaj, but the fruits are already there. He's been outside of ISKCON for over 20 years. What are the fruits? Publishing books, distributing Krishna consciousness. He's known all over the world. He's known individually more than any one particular ISKCON guru, probably, on the whole inter international, you know, scene. You know, they say there's, you know, there's, there's ISKCON, there's Tripurari Maharaj, there's Narayan Maharaj. So, I mean, that's, you know, starting from nothing but an undeserved bad reputation. I didn't do too badly. I mean, I'm standing on my own, you know, the, the feet of my faith. So if you want to say that, then you, somebody will say it to call him on it and then apply it, apply it across the board. Prabhupada valued people who were able to preach and do something and expand Krishna consciousness. So, so what are you doing? Putting something in, in Prabhupada's mailbox against someone who's coming here who's preaching all over the world and doing the kind of thing that Prabhupada wanted? What did Prabhupada want? I mean, let's really talk about it. He wanted people to get Krishna consciousness. Well, are you helping people to get Krishna consciousness? How many devotees have you made? How many books have you sold? They say, well, he's Tripurari's not out at the airport selling Prabhupada's books anymore. I still sell more Prabhupada's books than, than any of these people who say that. What are they doing? They're not selling any of his books. Plus, we have other books as well. So, yeah, these are just hollow statements that they haven't thought about what they mean. Prabhupada valued people who went out and preached, and Sridhar Marsh didn't go out and preach. Well, he preached to me. <laughs> He preached to Prabhupada, apparently. Prabhupada called him the Siksha Guru. Yeah, Prabhupada wanted to take him out all over the world, if that's true. What did Prabhupada want from you? What are you doing? If you go the opposite way on the Sampradaya, too, there's non-preachers and preachers. Yeah. It's part of that. Yeah, I mean, I brought up, you know, well, I said, well, what about Jagannath uh, <coughs> Babaji or Gorkhachar Babaji? They weren't big preachers. I mean, we don't speak disparagingly of them. They were just sitting down and doing bhajan. But besides that, for someone to say that my guru was a great preacher, therefore he's the greatest, and this other guru, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't listen from because he's not as great of a preacher. Well, you better shut up then because how good of a preacher are you? How much did we listen to you? How good of a preacher are you compared to Sridhar March? Let's look at it like that. And you're the one that's talking now, and you say that you're representing Prabhupada's idea. But comparatively, <coughs> Sridharmarsh is a better devotee than you and a better preacher than you. Preached more and better than you. So we should listen to him rather than you. After Prabhupada left, let's say when Sridharmarsh was here, and that's the choice I made. I listened to the GVC, they're preaching, they're selling books, but, you know, his preaching was better. But besides that, of course, you know, that's just one way of answering the question. You, just, you have to just turn it back on them. And, and what is your place? To, who are you to criticize? Didn't Prabhupada teach that? Do better. Whenever anybody criticized my book distribution, Prabhupada always said, well, if you do better, you know, I'm sure he will, you know, follow you. But you have to get the books out there somehow or other, you know. 
you can come up with a better way to do it, then okay. But he's doing it, so. And so, and that's one thing. But besides that, of course, you know, what do they know about Sri Maharaj and how he preached and to what extent and so forth? And and do they want to, they want to just dismiss the fact that he preached to Prabhupada and Prabhupada said he, that he taught him, Prabhupada revered him as a Siksha Guru. That's very clear. Prabhupada said that it's in black and white in Prabhupada's own letter. So, he's going to dismiss that entirely? How can you? Yeah, it's rather interesting that this is the one letter as if that was a whole uh, <coughs> That's the other thing. Who, who supplied this letter as the definitive statement on Sridhar Marsh and when? Do you know? Who brought this out of the files as the definitive letter on the position of Sridhar Marsh and when did they do it? You mean originally? Yeah. What's made this letter in some people's minds the definitive statement of the Prabhupada's on Sridhar Marsh? The GBC pulled it out. Now, how much do you accept the GBC? You may accept more, but the fellow that's putting this in all the mailboxes, how much does he accept the authority of the GBC? That's where he learned about the definitive position on Sridhar Marsh from the GBC who selectively went through the files and picked out a particular letter that they could find, the only one that had some criticism of Sridhar Marsh, and dismissed all the others, buried all the others as, as best as they could by putting this one under a magnifying glass, at a time when they, this is 1982, when they themselves were becoming questionable by the mass of devotees. The gurus and the GBC, and the authority, was becoming questionable. You had Hamza Duda doing something bizarre, and Tamal Krishna Maharaj was removed from his position for, the, for some time, and Jayatirtha, and, and other ones, rumors, and it was, you know, horrible. And, so it was a huge faith crisis in 1982 when Jayatirtha, well, it was in 1981, actually, that they sent Jayatirtha to Sridhar Maharaj secretly. And Sridhar Maharaj was able to collect him up and enliven him and so forth. And Jayatirtha had some problem. And so that they, they brought him to Los Angeles and forced him to take sannyas from the entire GBC. At this point, they, they started their, this is where they started the philosophy that no particular guru does Prabhupada fully manifest through. But the teaching is when the GBC gets together, then Prabhupada fully manifests. This is what they realized at that time. So they forced Jayatirtha to take sannyas. And you don't know what went on in the room, in the discussion. They came out saying, Prabhupada is manifest here and empowered us to give Jayatirtha sannyas. We're all going to... Jayatirtha didn't agree with that. He resisted that. He had a beautiful wife and a beautiful son, and they were nice devotees. And yeah, he had a problem, but he didn't feel comfortable with the idea of being a sannyasi. But they, they forced him. They said, this is, our, this is what we're going to do, and you take sannyas, or else you know, we're going to tell everybody all these things that we know, and what will be worse. So he took it. He did it. I was there at the time. I mean, I wasn't a GBC, thank God. I never had that curse. But I was there in L.A. I was watching the whole thing. And then and then Jayatirtha left, and then he, it wasn't working for him. So Ramaswar suddenly had to fly to Japan for some important work for with Dynapon, who was the, the, the printers. But it was like all of a sudden. But actually, he flew to India 
met Jayatirtha somewhere in South India, and I think Jayapatakaswami came there too, and they told him, you know, look, they, they wanted to keep him afloat. afloat. Yeah, he was a guru. He had huge influence in Detroit, Mauritius, London, so many disciples, and they didn't want him to, you know, go down, and, and he had some serious problems. They were, they were hiding, and now that may not be so bad if they had the power to really lift him up, but they didn't. Anyway, they sent him to Sridhar Marsh, because at that time, in 1981, it still was okay to see Sridhar Marsh, although it was becoming more controversial. But the controversy wasn't coming from anything that Sridhar Marsh was doing. It was from what they were doing, which made them more suspect, which made Sridhar Marsh potentially more of a person in whom one could place their faith. And suddenly, then all the faith in all of them might have been lost. So, you know, anyway, they sent Jai there, and Sridhar Marsh, you know, had the power, the real power of Guru Parampara, not the GBC, to actually spiritually enliven him. And he called Manjwali there, his wife, and his son, Vaishnav Das, and he spoke with them, and he preached to them. They all became enlivened, and they liked the idea that that he should, you know, take sannyas. And now, Sridhar Marsh wasn't told about the problems that he had. He may have known anyway, but at any rate, he really you know, to use a cliche, he really fired up uh, you know, Jayatirtha. I had never seen him better. He came then around, you know, touring around, preaching in Iskon, and I met him. I bumped into him again in L.A., and he was keeping a little picture of Sridhar Maharaj. His classes were great, and, you know, he just had a whole new dimension to himself. Made the others look, you know, kind of stale. And... And he had all some taped lectures of Sridhar Maharaj. And I slept in Ramaswar's room, and he was listening to those tapes of Sridhar Maharaj. And Ramaswar turned to me and said, This man, so he says, This man is relishing mellows. He's relishing mellows. You know? I was like, Hmm. Yeah. That was, so that was, Ramaswar had that, you know, glimpse. And so, Jayatirtha was, his position was, this is, the, this is, wow, we've landed here with a real solution to the whole problem of ISKCON in terms of Prabhupada's disappearance, and it's the appearance of Sridhar Marsh. And so, that's what he was putting out, you know, wherever he went. Now, the other GBCs, they didn't like that idea at all. And Ramaswar, he was kind of humble, he didn't like this idea very much of being this big flashy guru, and and he was resisting that. But Bhagwan, who was the most successful book sales, money, and so forth, he, um, like Ramasar, wanted to take his Vyasa son out of the temple room, and you know that kind of thing. And, and um, we were all there at the time. And he was kind of like one of the guys, you know, more identified with the devotees than being in, in some lofty artificial kind of position. So anyway, they intimidated him. And they told him, look, can we take the BBT away from you? And he was attached to running the BBT and Prophet's book distribution. 
they intimidate him. It's either you either toe the line or else. And that includes, you know, we're going against Jayatirtha, come Mayapur, and his sentiments for Sridhar Maharaj, we're not, allow this, we're not going to allow this to come into the society. So then we get to Mayapur, that was 1981, so we get to Mayapur in 1982, they bring Jayatirtha in the room, once again, the empowered GBC tells him he's got to get rid of Sridhar Maharaj. So they talked back and forth, back and forth, and, and uh, finally Jayatirtha said, okay, look, for the sake of the society, I agree this far, that I will not keep the picture of Sridhar Maharaj, or if I do, I'll only keep it privately, and I won't preach to devotees about Sridhar Maharaj. But I'm not, you know, you can't, and he just said this kind of like, as if it was like obvious, you know, but you can't tell me to get him out of my heart. Well, they said, no, that's what we're telling you. You get him out of your heart. Forget it. You can't have anything. You can't have a sentiment for Sridhar Marsh. That's what they told him. And then, there was about four of them, they came to the temple presidents, who were a body that used to meet also. And they said, which the GBC always just kind of like, the attitude was, okay, we've got to let these guys have their meeting as if they've really got something to say, you know, let them feel like it, okay. This is Bhagavan's like horizontal, you know, development. Everybody can't go up, you know, so in order for everybody to have room, we have to spread it out horizontally to make these ministers and committees and, and everybody's need to control, you know, be fulfilled. And those who really have the capacity to go up vertically, like me, you know, we will lead the society in a, in a spiritual sense. Because if we don't create this room to go horizontally, people are just going to want to go up and they're not qualified like us to accept disciples. This was his idea. So, anyway, they, they, they had the temple presidents meeting when it was, they never, you know, they could care less about what they met and, and, and decided and so forth. But on this occasion, they came and said, you know, you guys are the temple presidents and, and you're, you've got a power in the society. I think that you have to recognize you have the ability to, if you decided all to get together to on, on, all together on one thing, I mean, how could the GBC resist you? I mean, you are running the, all the, the temples and all the day-to-day -day and so forth. You have a power, and, and in times of need, you, you, know, you really have to exercise it. And then they said, and you know what happened is this, here's this giant earth, you know. You know what's happening? We're trying to talk to him, but we need your support. We need you guys to pass a resolution, because he's... He's saying that Sridhar Maharaj is like the Siksha Guru, and, and you know, Prabhupada said his goblins are envious of him, and so forth. And that's all, you know, you want Prabhupada to be displaced by Sridhar Maharaj, he's going to come in and take over the whole movement because Jayatirtha's off and doesn't get it, and so forth. So we need you guys to pass a resolution. That an animus would be, would be best. That Jayatirtha has to, you know, to get, separate himself from Sridhar Maharaj. Because Jayatirtha was not going for it. He said, I'm not going to do that. And so they tried to get more strength. And so they got the temple presidents to vote like that. And then they said, this is the whole movement saying this. And, and they thought that would push him over the top. But instead, to his credit, he went to Sridhar Marsh. Went across the river. And then they collected all of the disciples of his were there put him in a room, flew Babananda to Detroit, 
and maybe somebody else, Bhagwan, to London, South Africa, to reinitiate everybody. And then the ones, they brought the disciples in the room, and then they, they told him, Jack Tirith is having problems, and he, was, he had taken drugs, and they had the evidence. These things. They had some pictures of some other thing, something else happened. And so they brought all this stuff. So they knew this stuff all along. And now they're bringing it out for their convenience. And therefore he should be prepared. And now, and he's this, he's this, he's this. And we could, you know, we just found out about it, of course. You know, we didn't know. But even if we could tolerate this, this is the kind of person, he's having these problems. And this is the kind of person who makes a decision like this to go to Sridhar Marsh. Not a sober devotee. This is a huge problem. And so then they, they try to break their faith. In Jatirth, and of course some of them's faith, and he went without anybody. And some of them's faith didn't break, and they went over there, and it was a problem for Sridhar Maharaj and his moth, and these people coming, this huge controversy at his door and so forth, you know. Real huge disturbance. But that's the time when Sridhar said, I can't believe what they're doing. He said, they're, they're, they're just attacking the faith like this of these people. He was talking about the disciples of Jatirtha, they're just going in just ruthlessly. What the, this thing is so tender and it's everything. It's a lifeline to spiritual life and they're just trampling on it. He said, I fear for the future of Iskon. It's cracked at the foundation. It will become a shadow Sampradaya. It's just very objective on his part. I mean, what do they do? How, do they, how can they... What do they understand about these principles of you know, faith and guru and Krishna's descent and all these things? And, and so uh, then the GBC you know, pulled out this, this letter. There's a definitive statement on Sridhar Maharaj. And Jayatir has gone there. And, you know, the, those days you didn't have the Veda base. You didn't have the conversation books. Or all that stuff. To, nobody had access to all of Prabhupada's letters to go through and, and sort it all out. And um, so that, that, that was a definitive statement. And we had to find out ourselves. Well, there was a lot of other statements that Prabhupada made and a lot of other letters and, and so many things to give it some, some balance <laughs> and perspective and, and so forth. But here, you know, here's a person who's just following the lead of people He's rejected with regard to a pretty important issue in the history of his spiritual life and the movement that he was in, ISKCON. I'm talking about the fellow that put this in all the mailboxes. And it goes across the board in ISKCON. The opinion about Sridhar Maharaj that they have comes from people that they've rejected. Bhagawan, you know, Ramaswar, this one, that one. All these people that they rejected, that's where their opinion about Sridhar Maharaj comes from. I mean... They need to think a little bit more critically. And that's what I did. When all this started to happen, I started to think, hmm, I was just, I faithfully followed the GBC, but now I have to think about every decision they make and every opinion they offer and see, like, do I agree with that? And investigate it for myself. So I, when I investigated the Sridhar Marsh issue, I realized, wow, this is a huge mistake and offense that they've made. And so I acted accordingly. So I'm the kind of person who thought it all out and looked at it from all sides. And this guy, this guy, this is, I mean, just look what he did. He takes the paper, underlines one sentence, and puts it in the mailbox. And some people are going to look, what's this? And oh, here, here's, huh? 
and then close the paper and not read anything else. And that's the way he reads the whole, that's just how he goes about his whole spiritual life. <laughs> and that's, you know, why he's fanatical and people who follow that, emotional, fanatical, and, and it all comes from this very Kanishtadikari conception of Guru. Here he also believes the Holocaust never happened. Yeah. Holocaust <laughs> never another, happened. Another, another Anti-Semitic. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's pretty pathetic, actually. Yeah. And conspiracy theories. I find that offensive. Yeah. Very offensive. You know, as much as we practice jibadai, kindness to other living beings, I mean, that wasn't too kind what happened over there. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think too many devotees took the source very seriously. But I, I mean, I made a response. I, you know, I, I have a page just to say, thank you very much for your letter, and you know, you you're concerned that the devotees make an informed choice, but there, this raises some questions, and Maharaj would be happy to discuss this these points with you. Mm. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice I had to say you. something. <laughs> you sent that to the devotees? Yeah, along with the schedule. Oh, that's good. What you have is also is, is the you're dealing with the situation here, as in most places, that uh, the level of people's spiritual interest is an issue. Also, how much they're going to want to hear and sort things out, and know, like, like a guy like Fred, you know, he just wants to know everything. He's like interested in spiritual life. You know, it's just happening. And uh, some of the other people have kind of like just put it on hold for all intents and purposes. So, yeah, it's from a religion. But I think that this is this is important. This discussion about Guru Tattva—it's been the most important issue since Prabhupada left for Prabhupada's disciples. And the ones who have figured it out most are ones who have heard from others and got a broader perspective and mm-hmm. and so forth. All the material that I have, I, I downloaded uh, Narayan Maharaj's, it's quite a big book on Guru Tattva, but I haven't read it. There's the, something in there I left in your room by Gaur Govinda, there's this by Akshayananda from Bhakti Siddhanta. Mm. Just quotes. But it still, it doesn't really discuss like we're discussing now. I mean, this is, I mean, okay, you got a lot of quotes, well, so what do you do with all that? In other words, the practical act, what I, what I feel like mm. we're talking about is like, how to bring it down to the, the, yeah. the, the, the issues that we're dealing with. And that's, that requires some realization. You know, we got so exactly. Many books, you know. Exactly. Yeah. That's everything, really. You can, you know, everyone's got the books. So when we, if we start to think about Prabhupada, Prabhupada had a relationship with Krishna, he loved Krishna, that just opens a whole big wow. They said, yeah, I'm supposed to go to the spiritual world. I'm supposed to love Krishna also. And it really, as I say, makes one think, well, it's, it's, yeah, it's a deeper topic. And, and I realize I don't know that much. And again, you become excited to hear. And you can grow and make progress. And those aren't, you know, someone could say, well, Prabhupada never talked about that. And that's true. And, it's, and for the most part, he didn't talk about that, but it's there in all the books, and it, it is a topic that is mm-hmm. it's pretty important. And again, it, it brings out the difference that the guru is one with Krishna, but different, and, and, and he's also different from other gurus because he may have different sentiment than other gurus, and and so forth. And it's confusing for some of our kids. Like Narayan is friends with uh, uh, 
Shame over here, uh, Ranjit's daughter, and so mm. she's talking. But why do we need to hear from Shri Maharaj? And you know, so that we're hearing this, and they, they, these kids are. New, I mean, they're growing up in the movement, but they, you know, there's a lot of things they don't know. They, but they're, they run, understand. So, so we're trying to help them to mm-hmm. go deeper in this whole topic. You know, you know, Shri Maharaj. You know, they have that one letter, and they say, well, "What does that mean? Why did you say that?" Because it seems we tend, we tend to think. Well, look what Prabhupada says. I mean, it seems to be pretty clear to me. Yeah. So... You should give them the, uh, affect- our affectionate guardians to read. Yeah, I've given all my copies away. I guess you can download a copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should reprint that. But that's a great book. Have you read that book? Yeah, it's a great book. It's a really good book, yeah. The history's there in black and white. Prabhupada's relationship with the Shrita Maharaj and his scones relationship with Sridhar Marsh and how they dealt with him, and so forth. Was there another book by, that was written besides that book? Because uh, um, Ranjit had uh, quoted to me some book, maybe by Akshay Nanda. Was there another book about Prabhupada and Sridhar Maharsh? Maybe that. There was an essay about the relationship between Prabhupada and Sridhar Marsh, but I think it also was published in Sri Guruna's Grace. I believe. And there's quotes the things that, that Prabhupada said and so forth. Yeah. Once Akshayananda, he said, Oh, the Rupanuga letter. That's become famous, the Rupanuga letter. He said, Yes, there's one important word in there that Iskand should study very carefully. Rupanuga. If they understand that, then then we can talk with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because that again takes the who in Marsh understood what is Rupanuga and this is his point and this is the goal and so we should try to understand what is Rupanuga. Yes. The issue about Shudamar's not you know, um, when asked which person he would endorse as far as Vinacharya and, and that's you know, the question was, well why didn't Shudamaraj Say, well, that's not what our spiritual master had wanted. He wanted the, the big iron body. And instead, he did. He made some, you know, he did make some endorsement and or some seemingly support of that, mm-hmm. of that um, action that was going on. So, and so that's that's another thing that they always bring out. Is yeah. Well, there was a GBC. There was a GBC, and there was a debate in the GBC who the Acharya would be. And, you know, Bhakti Siddhanta wanted the governing body, and if anybody, you know, was seen by the governing body to be most competent, then they would give their approval to that. That's obvious, you know, you can't just have a JBC and no no successor. So, uh, Sridhar Marsh was not on that JBC. He didn't want to be on it. And he had withdrawn to some extent. And there were the two sides. One side was saying that Anantavasadev should be this, we should make him a successor. And he wasn't a GBC either, I don't think. I'm not sure on that one actually. But then the other side was saying, no, there should be other people. There should be more than one. There are some others who have gotten sannyas, and not the boss they've hadn't taken sannyas. 
and from Prabhupada, Bhakti Siddhanta, and we should have, you know, more than one. And so they brought the issue to Marsh, issue to Sridhar Marsh, for an opinion, like a Brahminical type of opinion. And so he gave an opinion based on what was presented to him. And he said that he gave the opinion that of the choices that you've suggested, I think that there's reason to support the idea of Ananta Vasudev because Ananta Vasudev is a brahmachari. He's not a sannyasi. And it was always thought in Gaudiamat that the sannyas brings distinction, which it does, and so there's a potential for pride. Go to England, and you know you get followers. And Mahaprabhu taught more humble than a blade of grass, and so we have to be careful about this. So he said, "Yeah, he, he's not a, he's not pushing for this." One, he's not a sannyasi; he's a brahmachari. He could take sannyas. It's another thing, and that'd probably be a good idea. But the others that are pushing for this, they happen to be sannyasis, and they would be the sannyasis who would be selected. So it's possible that there is some motive in them. And Anantabhasudev seems not to be motivated to be the Acharya. So if I'm to give my opinion, that's my opinion. And his opinion was so weighty that they they went with that. And they elected Anantabhasudev. And it was going on like that with Anantabhasudev as the Acharya for some time. But then abuse started to come of different godbrothers and Tirtha Maharaj he started the campaign against Ananta Vasudev. And then he enlisted others, Keshav Marsh and others, to give support. Shinamarsh wasn't involved in any of this. And he started the court battles and so on and so forth. And eventually, Ananta Vasudev fell down. But it's a very interesting very interesting story what his take was and how he looked at things. But at any rate, largely it was construed as that, that he went against Bhakti Siddhanta. Some people say, well, he didn't really go against Bhakti Siddhanta, but he went against the things that were going on, thought that there should be a change now, and uh, we should move more in another direction, and so on and so forth. But at any rate, um, he did have an affair with the woman, and there was a child, and so that was really the the beginning of his demise. I gave Tirtha Marsh all the ammunition he needed, really. And so, eventually, there was a compromise, and Tirtha Marsh got Mayapur, and Anantabhasadev got other branches, and then Anantabhasadev, you know, left. Sure, Marsh worked that out, didn't right? Well, he helped to negotiate that. So he was like an objective person that people would go to, and and so on. And there's uh, evidence in the history of Prabhupada's letters and things he said that he supported Anantavasadev too. I mean, he just went along with what everybody else, else went, went along with. And that was what was going on in Gaudiya Mat. And then Anantavasadev left, and then, you know, Prabhupada didn't think twice about the whole thing. Wow, to see. And then he came up with this thing. They appointed somebody, they shouldn't have done this. And, you know, it was after the fact, kind of Prabhupada came, came with a, you know, perspective on it, and he, he lost some, some faith. He wrote that prayer from Vrindavan, you know, and 
that was pretty heavy, and then he just kind of went out himself and did something. And then he could make comments like, you know, they're changing acharyas here and there, you know, this and that. What is this, you know, kind of a thing. Is an Vasudeva one, he, he sometimes uh, criticizes rejecting Bhaktisiddhanta? That he went to, like, the Radhakun Babas or... Oh, did Ananta Vasudeva reject Bhaktisiddhanta? Well, yeah, that or that's... St- or some... Yeah. Quote, yeah, he, he did. He went against things that he previously supported. And he was against the sannyas. Yeah, something about Bhaktisiddhanta's style and... Yeah, he came out against the sannyas and the innovations of Bhaktisiddhanta that he had gone along with all along. But he came out against them. And his reasoning was that he saw that they were creating problems. These things were creating problems and pride and there was emphasis on outward propaganda, not on internal development. And that was his kind of take on it. And uh, But ultimately, he they wrote him and he got a couple others. He was the intellectuals in the society. Sundarananda Vidyavinod, maybe one Haridas, they, they wrote three books. They never mentioned Bhakti Siddhanta. They never criticized him, ever. But they criticized the policies that were his that distinguished Godiamath from the other sects, largely. And that included the, you know, the Bhagwat Parampara, Sikshuguru Parampara concept, and the sannyas, and those type of things. So effectively, he, you know, he went against those principles, those innovations of Bhakti Siddhanta. There is one group, there is one sect of of Gaudiya people, some disciples of Odalomi Maharaj, led by one Bhagwat Maharaj, whom I know, and uh, they have a whole different take on Ananta Vasudev, who became Puri Maharaj. I don't know who he took sannyas from, but before he left Gaudiya Math, he became known as Puri Maharaj. So someone gave him sannyas. And then he called himself Puri Das afterwards. But uh, their take on him was, they've written a whole book about it. And in that book, they have quotes, everything Bhakti Siddhanta Sastitakar said about Ananta Vasudev. And you won't believe the quotes. You can see there was good reason that people thought, well, you know, he's the dearest, or he has understood Bhakti Siddhanta better than anybody. I mean, everybody's got some statements that Bhakti Siddhanta said about their guru. Oh, our guru is, you know, he will do everything in time, you know, and if you ever get book, money, print books, and, you know, and uh, he listens very well, and, you know, Keshav Marj got some, and Sridhar Marj's group has got things that Bhakti Siddhanta said about him. But you could take all those together, and it wouldn't be as much as Bhakti Siddhanta said about Ananta Vasudev. Anyway, they they rejected those things. It was a huge, it was like a real dark day in Gaudiya Math history. When Puri Marsh or, or Puri Das or Anantabhasadev did that, they went against all those things. But he had supported them previously, and and then he got into a situation of questionable moral circumstances, and it kind of seems that that may have, some justification may have been involved, rationalization and so forth. And, but um, did survive, though, you know, alive and well, and so he's gone as a child of it. Yes? I you know, in that letter, you get too famous reading about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Prabhupada does criticize, 
Unfortunately, the way Prabhupada worded that and, and wrote that, it doesn't give a really fully historically accurate, you know, account of what happened. Yashudamar's influence was so powerful that his opinion, which is what he was asked, which he gave, was taken seriously enough to turn the tide in the GBC, and they made an antivasadeva of the Acharya. But again, also... You know, what Prabhupada is saying is form a GBC and someone will emerge. I mean, they could be construed that they, that they felt that the majority of them felt that he had emerged as an Antivasadeva, that he was the most qualified person. And Prabhupada's writing this, what? 74. So, like, 36, like 40 years later, uh, you know, flashback 40 years later on what happened. And Prabhupada wasn't involved, you know in making those decisions or, or, or anything. So really an accurate source, a much more accurate source of the details would be someone like Sridhar Maharaj who was, you know, was a sannyasi from Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta, and, and had been asked and so forth. So, but you know, that doesn't go too far with some of the Prabhupada. So whatever Prabhupada wrote there is, you know, that's exactly how it happened historically and, and so forth. Yeah. It seems too, like you were saying about, um, you know, not recognizing like the guru as Sadaka Deha, and that this stuff happened. This stuff is part of history. That it seems like for present people to pass judgment on something that was so much more involved than us having like you know a letter or two or here or, mm-hmm. or there. Like like you say in this in this letter, you're saying um, today's controversies like. Um, the origin of the jiva and principle of accepting a shiksha guru, or you know, these um, these controversies start from people taking, you know, Prabhupada said we were all in the spiritual world, so they take you know, a statement and you know, mm-hmm. all out of context. Or, but to but to look on history like that, I mean, nobody does history like that. Right. You just look at everything that happens since Prabhupada left. I mean, you'd have to write, you know, volumes to accurately report everything that took place and just for me to make one letter this is what happened after proper left you know so it would be very simplistic and it seems that you know it's not taking into account at all you know it's 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 only looking at Prabhupada as shakshadhari and you know not that he has a sentiment to mm-hmm. and, you know that may have been something that was very 
of course, you know, in his time, he, you know, that was his society, and, you know, just like now, people have been offended, and, you know, there's been offenses to you, or there's been offenses to different people, and this is all part of history, and, and to, you can't just take Prophet's statements totally absolute, because mm -hmm. he was a, he was partaking in that history along with so many other people and so many other factors, and right. and we're like way beyond that. There's right. So much time since then. Yeah. You know, people just read what they want to read. You know, there's a person that's going to look at the thing objectively and want to come to the truth, and there's people that think they have the truth, and they want to read selectively to support that, and that spirit is contrary to the spirit of that's required to make spiritual advancement. And so they come up with all kinds of things that are that are impediment to their own spiritual advancement and the spiritual advancement of others. And, you know, the real thing is, if you want an accurate picture of Prabhupada's relationship with Sridhar Maharaj, you take everything that's written and you look at the dates, the time, what, when, when he said it, what was going on then, and so forth. This was 1974. What did Prabhupada say after 1974 about Sridhar Maharaj? You only find glowing things. Probably wanted to build a house in Mayapur for Sridhar Maharaj to live in so that his disciples from all over the world could come and hear from him. Mm -hmm. Prabhupada said he needed to hear from him after he departed and so forth. And so. Yeah, it seems pretty impossible to, I mean, I mean for, it's hard enough for us understanding you know, Prabhupada as disciples, but yet people will take some incidents from Shittermarge's life and, you know, make some big purport on who he is. It's, it, you know, it's, it's very... Uh, uh, mm -hmm. it's but I'm going to see why they, can't, why they can't take another letter after this one, or a conversation that Prabhupada had, that's where Prabhupada's glorifying him and saying we should hear from him. Why can't they take and look at the two together? I mean, any intelligent, honest person this is just this absolutely dishonest to do this. Which is what the GBC did. Select this one letter out of the file. We've decided this is the definitive statement. Nobody even knows there are any other statements or anything. And it's absolutely dishonest. You'd get thrown out of you know school for something like this, kicked out of the government or what? It's that's propaganda. That's yeah. Yeah. Prabhupada said it, you're in black and white. Prabhupada said this, you're in black and white. Why are you relativizing, you know, minimizing Prabhupada? You just kind of turn it, you know, back on them. But this, you know, kind of exercise largely serves only to bring these things out to innocent people. And the people who are the medium through which it comes out usually don't get converted themselves. So, tonight we go to where? Winston, Winston-Salem, how far is that? 45 minutes. Okay.